in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 Network and the main podcast for Red Raider Sports. You are on once again with your boy, Albie Shore. And today we are continuing our series, welcoming in new partners of the Big 12. Uh, as far as we know right now, it's only four new partners, but who knows how many other people or teams and programs could be joining the Big 12 by the time the season starts. But today, we are going to be talking about BYU. And in order to talk about BYU, we had to get the one of the top voices for BYU athletics, and that is Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougars, all BYU, all the time. What's going on, Greg? Good. I mean, Greg, we have something in common. I, and I, I know this about you, but I don't think you know this about me. I am also Canadian. I don't even know if our listen, my listeners know this. I am also Canadian. I was born in Toronto. And then uh, uh, God moved me to Texas when I was five. And by so <laughs> that's so I am a naturalized Canadian. But, you know, eventually, of course, got my citizenship. And now I'm as Texan as it, as it gets. Yeah, I, I was born in Ontario, too. Uh, I was born in uh, Sudbury, Ontario. Okay, there you go. See, so us as two. Then, well, go ahead. I was gonna say we we moved uh, to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, when I was uh, a baby, and then uh, from my high school years, our family moved again to Calgary, Alberta. So um, Calgary was my most recent hometown when I left there to to come down to BYU to go to school, actually. And so I've I've been in Utah ever since. So I've been a Utah longer than I've been a Canadian, but uh, Canadian born and raised. Well, you are, yeah, I'm just Canadian born. You're much more Canadian than I ever could be. Um, And who would have thought two people born in Ontario would be talking Big 12 football, but here we are, right? (laughs) Here we are. Here we are. So uh, one thing we want to know, before we really get into the, the nuts and bolts of BYU and everything about it, let's talk about BYU as it is right now right so looking at the BYU football program this is a BYU football program that I feel like everybody underestimates and then they go off and have a nine-win season and they go off and pull off a big upset and everyone's surprised yet I feel like if it happens every year we shouldn't be that surprised are we gonna have another year where everyone underestimates BYU just for them to have a good season well, it's back-to-back double-digit win seasons coming into this year for Kalani Sitake and his program, and and you know the independent schedules have gotten tougher and tougher. And you know, let's not forget this was a this has been an 11-year uh, grind through independence. Uh, they started in, in in 2011, and here we are in in, in 2022. They're in their 12th season of independence, and so uh, it's been difficult, you know, to to find schedules that uh, that challenge you. Um, early challenge you late, but still give you enough opportunities to to win a few games and get some confidence. But uh, last year's schedule full of P5s, again more P5s on the schedule this year. Things will change greatly, of course, in 2023 when the P5 schedule becomes the norm uh, in joining the Big 12. But I think BYU's had as good a preparation as anyone, Albie, for entering a P5 conference because of the way that their schedules have been designed and created over the years. And again, they've gotten, I think, tougher and tougher. Uh, and yet BYU's been able to, you know, have enough success to record double-digit win campaigns, get that 2020 COVID season in when, you know, very few teams were playing or thinking of playing football in August. And and BYU ended up having a great year, kind of springboarded them into to 2021. And now here we are in 2022 with the Cougs now in what we'll call uh, maybe a transition year. Because this is the year that that puts BYU in the P5 next season. So uh, the opportunities are there. 
The schedule's tough, featuring Baylor in home opener, so a bit of a sneak preview again for conference play. Love the way the schedule shapes up. It's good to have a returning quarterback. It's great to have so many weapons around Jaron Hall, a veteran offensive line. Defense should rebound. Optimism as high as it is for most programs before uh, camp starts. That said, I think a lot of people expect BYU to be good. If you if you look at some ratings, uh, the Cougs have the most returning production of any team in the country. And last year, you know, they were dead last going into the season and still turned out a 10-win campaign. So um, if all that experience gained in those successes last year pay off again this season, it could be a special year again for BYU. And that's a and that's a ten win season regular season, right? So that's I mean, of course, you didn't necessarily win the Independence Bowl at the end of the year, but it's still a ten win regular season. Like you said, it was a much tougher right. schedule. You did have Baylor last year. You had Boise State. You had two ranked wins against Utah and Arizona State. You played Arizona. So you're playing like you're talking about a mostly Power Five conference against uh, mostly what Pac a lot of Pac twelve teams in there. Um, you know, it, some of those Pac twelve teams may be joining pretty soon, but we don't know. Um, but it is. It is interesting to see that I think for BYU compared to some of the other teams that are coming into the Big Twelve, like you, like the AAC teams that are coming in, you're you're like you said, you're much more prepared. And I, it's funny, I, we still think of BYU as a group of five team, but is it really? Like especially the last couple of years, um, the, the COVID year a little bit more G fives than usual, but like the last few years, BYU's played ever since going independent. BYU has played truly a power five schedule. Yeah, and and you know the COVID year was uh, the COVID year had a bunch of P5s on the schedule until everything fell apart. Fell apart, so BYU had to go find whoever would play. So that's kind of an outlier year because all the games they had scheduled against those power programs just you know got canceled. So BYU did what it could that year, but for the most part, yeah, year in year out, a lot of P5s, and I think again the the schedule's gotten tougher and tougher with more and more P5s year by year, and they never really were G5. Uh, they didn't have the same. Um, exceptions that the G5s had or the same uh, abilities to enter into the uh, to New Year's Six, for example, because we all know that the highest ranked G5 program would get into the New Year's Six. Well, BYU wasn't part of that. BYU was in the same boat um, as as Notre Dame, essentially, which already had its own um, you know qualifiers into the New Year's Six. So BYU was kind of in limbo there. They had to have an amazing year on their own because they couldn't get in on that G5 qualification. So while a lot of folks thought about BYU, in G5 terms, they didn't have that same G5 privilege. It was They were truly out on their own. But it is interesting, Albie, that back a few years ago, when P5 conferences began establishing their quotas for non-conference play, how many, you know, you had to have certain P5s on your schedule in non-conference play, well, they began counting BYU as a P5 for their non-conference scheduling quota. So while BYU wasn't a true P5, the P5s were counting BYU as a P5 to get their quota in. So they kind of had it both ways. So BYU is good enough to be thought of that way, but not good enough to be a true P5. That's one of the best things about the Big 12 is now they can finally put the stamp on and say P5 in every way because the stadium size, P5, uh, the basketball arena size, P5, uh, the reputation with championships and All-Americans and all these things, P5, P5, a lot of things about BYU say Power 5 program, but they never had the stamp. And they worked a long time to get it, Albie. And so that Big 12 invitation was the culmination of a lot of years, not just the independent years, but all those other years that preceded it in the Mountain West and the WAC of slogging away and establishing a national name under Lavelle Edwards and all those great quarterbacks uh, of years past. 
So this is kind of not not that it's the mountaintop, but it's a, it's a pretty good peak that BYU's reached. Yeah, no, I mean absolutely. I think I and I think that's been a theme of all the teams kind of coming in to the program as this is now kind of a culmination of a decades, two decades, three decades hard work, right? Every single person we've talked to has talked about the the rise up. I think uh, for UCF, they really talked about the fact that their program is still a, a baby program. It's only been around for a little over two decades. Uh, U of H, after getting uh, kicked kicked down to the group of five after the Southwest, Con- Southwest Conference, um, was, was uh, uh, um, dissipated. Uh, they kind of worked their way back up, and BYU is another great story, right? Another story of a team that went from the Mountain West, but has had that independence, that independence stay, and now can really have that stamp of approval. Even though you've been acting like a P five, and even even though some people have faintly recognized you as a P five, now you can say there's no way around it. We're ready to play with the big boys, and you have played with the big boys. My favorite game that I can remember recently is BYU marching in to um, Austin, Texas, and beating the Texas Longhorns multiple times actually not just one time but twice um it's it's truly a a great tradition and i hope you do it and you're gonna have the opportunity to do it at least one more time unless texas moves out early yeah right and and one of the great things about independence albie was that byu got to visit you know a lot of venues and a lot of stadiums and cities and towns that they might not have otherwise gotten to without that independent label and that i think about just you know some of the games i've called during independence and, and, and these are places BYU went into and won, not just played games, but won games. They, and, and, you know, these are some of the biggest stadiums in the country we're talking about. They went into Neyland Stadium, beat Tennessee, went into Camp Randall, beat Wisconsin, went into Lincoln Memorial Stadium, beat Nebraska, went into the Coliseum last year, beat USC. Uh, they went to, to, to East Lansing, beat Michigan State. Um, you know, on and on we go with these with these big time. And then, of course, Texas going in and beating Texas and Austin. So those are some of the biggest stadiums and venues and programs in the country. And the Cougs haven't just gone in there. They've gone in and won games as an independent. And a lot of times they had to go on the road. Not everyone was, you know, too jazzed about playing in Provo. Provo is a tough place to play. And a lot of P5s said, we'll play you, but it's got to be at our place or it's got to be neutral. And so BYU played a lot of those kind of games or two for ones. Um, so they, they traveled and they traveled a lot as an independent, but yet they got those results. And again, those are some of the, you know, the best memories I have as a, as a play-by-play guy are going into those great stadiums with big crowds on great days and nights. And, and then, not only getting a win, but doing it in front of so many BYU fans. Something I think BYU, Big 12 fans might be surprised by when we get into this is just how well BYU packs buildings. And they're not all traveling from Utah. Uh, as you know, BYU is a church-sponsored institution, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that church has members all around the country. And so a lot of those members become BYU fans whenever BYU comes near. And so the Cougs have a tendency of really putting a lot of fans into opposing buildings. So, And it's always gratifying for me as a broadcaster to be able to bring up that crowd mic and hear the BYU fans cheer as the Cougs run onto the field in enemy territory. And I think that's going to be a neat thing for Big 12 fans to experience. It's just that vibe of, wow, this new team has a following. And they sound good, and they look good, and and it's a fun, and and, it's, and and they're hospitable. When we go to their place. I think fans also will love going to Provo and love going to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It'll be a whole new experience for a lot of fans. And so I I think bringing BYU in, uh, in addition to those other schools, but I think the BYU experience I think will hopefully be special for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, so it's funny. You, I was going to bring that up as well. Your fan base. 
So it is a national brand. It's a national fan base. I remember one of the years that BYU beat Texas back, I think it was like 2013 or 14, uh, in the mid-2010s. Um, Tech played in Austin that same year, and I went to the game. And a friend of mine who, who got me the tickets for the game was telling me how, how surprised he was about how many Tech fans were there. He was like, man, you know, y'all really... You know, 100,000 people here, but a good 20,000 of y'all are tech fans. Y'all did a great job packing this out. And I was like, yeah, man, this must be more than anybody that you've seen this year. And he said, no, 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 no. This is the second most. We played BYU this year, and they packed out the stadium full of BYU fans. And I think that's something that we're going to see no matter where. In Lubbock, Manhattan, uh, Morgantown, it doesn't matter. You're going to have BYU fans. Like you said, members of the Church of Latter-day Saints are going to show up, and they're going to want to support uh, the Brigham Young Cougars. Um, and so that's going to be yeah, I think and, this is very you know, interesting. Yeah, yeah, BYU fans are hungry for this. I, 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 you know, this has been a long time coming, and and I can't overstate how much it means the Cougar Nation to, to to be going to the Big Twelve and to be in a P five conference, whether it's a a twelve or a fourteen or an eighteen team league. Uh, BYU fee and his fan base feels truly legitimized by this move, and they're going to show out to prove that that you brought in a powerhouse program, or what they believe themselves to be as a powerhouse program. Again, you know, some of the wins may not come in every sport as frequently as they've been, but I think in all those other areas, you know, whether it's TV ratings or venue size or attendance and national draw. BYU feels like they're where they belong uh, finally. And I think that's going to show up when these games start getting played. Absolutely. So you kind of talked about some of the other sports. And first one I do want to talk about is the job that Mark Pope has done for the basketball team. I mean, Big 12 right now, we, we obviously football is king. Football is what's making, making all this conference realignment go crazy. Um, but Big 12 becoming a basketball conference. I mean, recently, Big 12 has become the basketball conference. And, and and Texas Tech is re- we've really become a basketball school, um, and so that's really what's what's really been driving the forces here. Now, some people may not know this, but BYU is not too far off. I mean, BYU or Mark Pope ever since he's come on has had nothing but twenty one seasons. I think as I'm looking at it now, um, y'all have had a twenty one season every year since two thousand and five. Uh, so uh, y'all are no slouches whatsoever uh, to the basketball side of things. I mean, what does the BYU Cougar uh, basketball program bring to the conference? Yeah, I, I think I, I think there was a 19 win season the year that's before right. Mark Pope joined. Um, See, and, that's, and then Coach Pope was, came in. Coach Rowe had he had a 19 went 19 and 13. They're like ah, gotta gotta switch it up. We can't, yeah. <laughs> can't do it. And that was also yeah, and it wasn't obviously that wasn't yeah. the uh, the uh, the tipping point. But he he decided that that it was time for him, and and it was fortuitous that Mark Pope was available at the same time. And and of course, Coach Pope had already been with Dave Rose as an assistant, so he was coming back to Provo, and he's been great for the program. And and uh, yeah, I mean the the, the numbers the Big Twelve has earned. Uh, show just how tough a league it is going to be for BYU to enter. But, you know, the Cougs are kind of going from the frying pan into the fire. I mean, the Cougs have been trying to knock off Gonzaga for a decade, right? So uh, the only problem is you got a few Gonzagas in the Big 12 is what it turns out. But the Cougars know what it's like to play, you know, competing for a championship with national powerhouse teams because they've had one in Gonzaga for years. And St. Mary's not too far behind in terms of, you know, a team that's just tough to beat. And and the Cougs haven't won a championship yet in the WCC. They get one last crack at it this year, but I mean, Gonzaga might be the number one team in the country again to start the year. So it's been a tough hill to climb. But I think, again, preparation. You know, all those years as a football independent showed BYU just like to have to go through a P5 heavy schedule. Well, all these years with Gonzaga has shown BYU how hard it is to knock off the top teams in the country in college basketball they happen to have had 
you know, a nationally prominent team right in their league. And so uh, I used to say for years that, 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 you know, Gonzaga was basically, you know, the Kansas of the WCC. As dominant as Kansas was in the Big 12 for year after year after year after year, well, that was Gonzaga. And so the Cougs already know what it's like to play a team like a Kansas and have to try and topple a team like a Kansas. So there won't be a ton of shock that way, but it's just how many of those teams you've got to try and face and beat night in, night out. Now, I do think this. The Marriott Center is going to be worth some points and some wins because BYU is going to be filling that building. And that's the, and then we're talking about 19,000 fans now in the Marriott Center. So the minute BYU starts playing in the, in, in the Big 12, it's got the biggest basketball arena in the conference. And, and they're going to fill that building for Big 12 games. And so even when BYU might not be the best team on the floor, I think that building and that crowd is going to be worth a few points and probably a couple of wins a year in those games that might go either way for BYU. So that, I think, will, will be something we look to see is how that crowd plays in to um, the balance of power in the Big 12. Who gets wins in Provo? Who doesn't? Because heaven knows, it's going to be tough to get wins. It's just going to be straight-up difficult to be a high win total team in the Big 12. Um, it's as tough and long and aggressive and physical a defensive league as we've seen in college basketball. And BYU's made its name as an offensive program. Yeah, they've gotten better defensively, but that's maybe the difference maybe between the WCC and the Big 12 is, is, where, the, uh, is, 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 is where the cards are held. And the WCC, more shooting, more offensive basketball is kind of the, the hallmark. And the Big 12, it is grind it out, win it in the 50s and 60s, and make you earn everything you get. How quickly can BYU adjust to that style of play and still get results? Well, not just that. Recently, BYU has also been, been very long and tall, and which is also different from Big 12 basketball, which is more compact, right? I think at one point, uh, was a couple years ago, Tech had no player above 6'9 that got playing time, right? Uh, a couple years ago, BYU had like three players that were 6'11 <laughs> or taller. So I think that's another piece of it. It's just, it's definitely, BYU, especially early on, is definitely going to be a yin to the, the rest of the Big 12's yang. Um, but like you said, it, it is a little bit, you do have some experience. WCC, for the most part, recently has been a two-bid league. I think it was a couple years, it was only one i think there was one year where it was three um and that's i think one bit difference is going from a two to three bid league to a six seven big bid league right like in, yeah exactly in the big 12 at one point last year we were looking at nine of the ten teams in the big 12 getting a bid right, right? and that's and that's just unheard. WCC and, 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 yeah, and another big difference too is you know you're going from a, a top 10 ken palm league which the wcc's been mm-hmm. i mean they, they, they've been a legit top 10 ken palm league to the number one Ken Palm League, and, and, and that's a big leap. It's a big leap. Now, so something I think that, that BYU fans um, you know, may get used to in the short term, or have to get used to in the short term, is this. There, there may be fewer conference championships and fewer seasons in which certain sports contend for a title, but hopefully there will be more inclusion in the NCAA tournaments just because of how deep the Big 12 is. You can be a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team and still be – national tournament worthy, whether it's the basketball, men or women, baseball, uh, you know, pick your sport. There'll be a lot of sports in which fifth, sixth, seventh, sometimes eighth gets you into the postseason. Whereas in the WCC, you better win it or be second or you're not going anywhere. And so there could be fewer of those first or second type years and maybe more of those fourth to eighth type years, but those four to eight years might get you playing in the postseason. Absolutely. Because of how good the Big 12 is. Absolutely. And so so one thing that's similar in that aspect of sports is baseball. So your baseball team is one 
Big 12 is another big baseball conference. Uh, we may not be number one like we are in basketball because I think the SEC kind of has a stranglehold on that. But still, a, a conference that is really big on baseball. We have Tech, Tech's a big baseball program. TCU, Oklahoma State had a great year this year. Texas had a good year as well. Um, and so BYU is bringing that in. Now with BYU, a uh, similar scenario where you consistently win. You have a couple seasons that are that are subpar, but consistently usually are having around 30 wins, 35 wins here. Uh, but because of the WCC, which is roughly a one to two bid league, uh, not as many car- tournament appearances. We see one appearance right. uh, in the past almost 20 years. So um, is that going to be an adjustment period as well for the baseball program? Yes, and, and BYU by, uh, did play Oklahoma State this year uh, down at Globe Life in Arlington. So um, there, there was a three-game set with the Cowboys. BYU took the opening game, probably had a chance to win two of three, lost two of three, but it was a good barometer. Uh, it was a pretty good Oklahoma State team, and BYU took one of three down in Arlington, neutral field. But, um, uh, you know, so, so they, they're getting tastes here and there of Big 12. Bay. They, they played Texas the year before uh, down in Austin, so they've been scheduling Big 12 here and there. There's a new coach, uh, the, the, the old head coach, Mike Littlewood, retired midseason and uh, resigned midseason. And so Trent Pratt took over, uh, was the interim, and they just gave him the, the, the full-time gig. And so uh, Trent Pratt has a lot of support within the program. Guys love playing for him. And I think, uh, I think the future is really bright with Trent, who was a, a big-time SEC player himself and has been coaching with BYU for a lot of years. Um, and, and so I look forward to what's going to happen with BYU baseball with Trent Pratt. And, and again, you got to get up to speed pretty quickly just of how because of how deep the Big 12 is. I think ultimately the goal for BYU before it says we're going to go win the Big 12 is just getting into the NCAA tournament as one of those many Big 12 teams that get picked, whether it's, you know, four to eight. It seems like four to eight's the window every year, right, of, of number of teams that legitimately have a shot to play in the postseason. Just get in that mix. Just be one of those Big 12 teams every year. I think that's a really valuable first step for BYU. The Cougs play at altitude. Uh, they play in a colder weather climate. So, you know, BYU's first month, most of the first months played away from home. Uh, you know, they're going to Arizona. They're going to Florida. They're going to California to play a lot of games away before they ever come to Miller Park. But when you get to Miller Park, the Cougs have an excellent home record. And uh, while the ball does fly uh, at altitude, or maybe a little better than it is some other places, it's still, you know, kind of spring weather in Utah can be kind of squirrely. And I know that a lot of warm weather teams, you know, are maybe sometimes not so comfortable playing uh, in the mountains of Utah in, in the months of March and, and April. So that could be a bit of a, a home field advantage for BYU at times as well. It's an all artificial turf surface at Miller Park. It's heated so it can melt snow quickly. And hopefully you've seen, and I know a lot of fans have seen, uh, you know, beauty shots from Miller Park. It is one of the picturesque baseball venues and all college baseball and it's not a small park uh, uh we had we had many standing room crowd uh, standing room only crowds this year set the attendance record for a single game this year seats around 25 but you can put more than that in the building so it's a good size venue uh there are bigger big 12 venues obviously but they won't be you know bottom of the pack in the conference and they'll draw good crowds and so i think that too is another thing i'm really looking forward to i only began calling baseball two seasons ago so that's my fourth sport so i go football men's basketball, women's soccer, and baseball. Those are my four sports that I call on radio. And women's soccer is a sport. It's not going to be maybe a high-profile sport maybe for your listeners, but it's a program that has led the nation in attendance for the last five of the last six seasons, BYU women's soccer. It's kind of a national name, and they played for the national title and lost to Florida State in PKs in the national title game this past year. And so that's now that's a sport 
where BYU can jump into the Big 12 and expect to contend immediately. Okay, football, maybe, maybe not. Basketball, maybe a while. Women's soccer, they can jump in and be a power right away. That's the one sport that I think can can make the immediate slide over and still kind of be where they've been in terms of a national name. They're always ranked every year. Again, played for the national title this past year. I look forward to that. And the original question about baseball, I think that'll be a building process, but one I, I really look forward to calling. And again, I think just getting to the postseason out of the Big 12 is a really big first step. And Greg, I might need you as a co-host here because you're already reading my mind. The next one I wanted to go over was women's sports. Here at Tortillas and Takes, we love women's sports. We, we cover it pretty closely. I, did, I was gonna, definitely going to bring up the, the, the job that Tom Stone has done over at Texas Tech uh, for the women's soccer p- program has been, a, has been a good one. He's kind of took a program that wasn't really there and really has, had built it up. Um, and But BYU is a program that has been running and running for the past 25 years. Um, the, the amount of NCAA... The women, yeah, Albie, hate to cut you off, but that you're exactly right. Because you know, the women's program um, ha, has been... I'm not going to say it's carrying BYU, but it, it, it is it is really carried a lot of weight lately for BYU. Women's soccer, I mentioned with the rankings playing for the national championship. Women's volleyball is a powerhouse. I mean, women's volleyball is right there. Nationally ranked, top 10, perennial postseason. Heather Olmstead has a juggernaut going. Women's volleyball is going to contend immediately, I think. Uh, The women's golf program, solid. The women's track and cross country, national champions, uh, high national finishes, that is a program, too, that I think can get into that league and make some noise right away. Uh, they're a nationally known track and field cross-country name right now. And, and so the women are doing a tremendous job at BYU. And and those programs I mentioned, just a few right there, have, have again, jumped to the forefront in so many different sports. And I think this will be a big move and a good move for them, too, because they'll find – that uh, they'll immediately be right there in the mix with some of the best Big 12 programs. Yeah, I think for and, – and I can't remember if you mentioned softball at all, but I know if there is – Yeah, one, and so- softball too. If there's one softball. sport – If there's one sport the WCC is so happy to see y'all leave, it is in softball because y'all have absolutely well, and, and, dominated and that, 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 that yeah, conference. Yeah, a league where BYU, BYU wins the title there every year, but it's a one-bid league. It's always a one-bid league. Yeah. This year, BYU finished the season on a 17-game win streak won the conference co-championship and didn't go because they lost the tie break to the other co-champion. And and people were stunned. Like, how does that happen to a team that's, you know, 40-odd wins, wins the title, big win streak to end the year? But that's life in the WCC as opposed to life in the Big 12. And that won't happen in the Big 12. And I think BYU can take that, what they've got going in softball, and find themselves again in the mix in the Big 12. They may not be winning at 8, 9, and 10 years in a row like they are right now, but they can be a postseason team. Yeah, and I think, well, I think... Yeah, and I, and I should have mentioned and I, and I should have mentioned softball at the top. I'm glad you did. Thank you. Yeah, no, but I do question when it comes to softball, when it comes to volleyball, when it comes to some... Uh, uh, maybe not soccer per se, because y'all are truly dominant in soccer, um, but some of these championships, so I'll take softball, for example, you have won so many WCC championships. It's going to be a lot tougher when you're in a conference with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, right? O- Oklahoma is just some of, Oklahoma right now is in one of the greatest dynasties we've ever seen in college sports. Um, so would you think that on the BYU side, there may be some animosity if you're not going in a situation where it's taken a few years to even win one championship with those two juggernauts in there? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, what? What? The women's college world series this year was all Big Twelve teams, yeah. right? I mean, it was, most, it was an all Big Twelve half, affair. No, half, half of the teams in the women's college world series were Big Twelve, and it was it was yeah. yeah. So, 
so BYU knows really, and, and it knows what it's getting into in the Big 12 and everywhere. That's why I go back to that point I made earlier about maybe fewer championships, but hopefully more or as much postseason experience. Um, and, and that's the trade-off there. Uh, you go from, from having to win a league that's maybe not as deep to just competing and being in the mix in a league that's very deep. And that'll be a situation in many different sports. And so that'll be, I think, the change in mindset. But ultimately, what you're hoping is just to get as many teams into the NCAA post in, in the NCAA postseason as possible in as many sports. And you can do that by being good, by being good in a great league. No, absolutely. So um, one thing that also BYU does have is they are one of the groups that is on home field apparel. So BYU has some nice uh, shirts, nice hoodies on BYU apparel, as does Tech. And here at Tortillas and Takes, you can use our promo code Takes12, that is T-A-K-E-S-1-2, to get 25% off your first order. If you do want to grab some BYU swag while you're at it before they join the conference, you don't have to hate them yet. You can get yourself some Brigham Young uh, gear. Um, but also make sure you go to get the Texas Tech gear as well. Um, get you some nice swag. I always talk about my the Tortilla Toss shirt. But I don't know why I talk enough about the new shirt that I got during the NCAA tournament when we on the basketball side with Raider Red and his two guns in front of that half basketball. It is a great shirt. Make sure to cop that as well. And use our promo code TAKES12, T-A-K-E-S-1-2 for all of your apparel needs. Uh, so, Greg, Texas Tech and BYU. So there's not really much history between the two of us. Um, we, we haven't really played too much in, in sports in general. Um, but I do think that right now you're in a situation that Texas Tech, we're one of the more Western teams. Actually, actually currently in the Big 12, we're the most West team uh, in the Big 12. Closest team to BYU, yeah. And so um, it's actually a big reason why before BYU Big 12 gained some stability in the past six months uh, that there was an idea that Tech would go to the Pac-12 because we are close to, you know, we are semi-close to Colorado and to Arizona and in Utah and stuff like that. Um, can you see a relationship between the two schools given its proximity? I know pods has been a, a, a popular topic lately. I'm of the belief there's a good chance that BYU and Tech would be in a pod together because of that. Um, but do you think there, that this uh, relationship kind of kind of blossoms? Well, if you want to go into pods, uh, and, and let's think about a, maybe a four-team grouping for a moment. I, I think the natural four-team grouping for BYU is Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech. Uh, TCU, because of the past history. BYU's already been in two other leagues with TCU. Okay, so so there's a lot of experience, there's a lot of history between BYU and TCU more than any other you know Big 12 program because the Cougs were conference colleagues with the Horn Frogs in two different leagues. So TCU is the one. Uh, Baylor, because we're talking about two religiously kind of affiliated institutions, um, and and the fact this two-year football series has happened last year and this year. I think is also a nice springboard into the Big 12 relationship. And the way I felt and the way BYU officials felt when they went to Waco this past year, that led me to believe this could be a, a, a nice budding rivalry, not one with animosity right now, but one of actual hospitality and kind of like linked allegiances in terms of private my, private institutions, kind of like-minded in a way. And so that felt right to me that Baylor, and, and BYU's had some great basketball games with Baylor in the past as well. So I think Baylor feels right. And then Texas Tech, there's almost no history there, but now we're getting into regionality closest geographically and uh and so that would be to me that's me kind of like the natural third team with BYU to make four if you want to go about a pod if you want to talk about a four-team pod that'd be my grouping and that's of course you know barring anything else happening 
with Pac-12 programs. But for the time being, that would be kind of natural to me. The, the, the strongest tie between BYU and Texas Tech for the longest time was the fact that Mike Leach was coaching in Lubbock because Mike Leach was a BYU student and a BYU graduate. So he wasn't a football guy at BYU, but he studied Lavelle Edwards' teams and studied a lot of BYU football while he was there. So he's a BYU guy and then ended up at Texas Tech. I know Coach Dennis Simmons, to name just a guy, uh, was down at Tech, I think, with Mike as well, and he played linebacker at BYU. So there were some guys we kept an eye on that were down, that were down at Texas Tech, even without the lack of, you know, without, with a lack of history. That was kind of it. Mike Leach was kind of the guy for the longest time. So I'm looking forward to, again, creating history and finding out how these two teams and two programs do interact when they start playing games. I do think that there's going to be a nice-off between the BYU and Tech. The good old folk, good old uh, guys and gals of West Texas versus the uh, uh, the nice Mormons of Utah. Like, it'll be a nice – It's nobody will be – there's not going to be a lot of animosity between each other. It's just going to be a, a group – two groups of people holding doors for each other and inviting each other to cookouts and all that other stuff. I will say we do have the leg up on one thing, Greg. Um, Texas Tech and BYU – I played football once, you know, recently, real recently, back in 1940, you know, just like a couple years ago. Uh, and Texas Tech won a slim margin 21 to 20. So we have the leg up in the series. Um, and so uh, I, and I, I hope it never goes away. I, I hope we just keep that <laughs> right there from 1940. They waited so long for revenge. So long. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what this whole Big 12 thing is all about. <laughs> just getting back with that's, Texas Tech. They were, you know, there was a, a memory from the 1940. They're going to bring the 1940 class up and say, this is for you. This is, this is what we've been waiting for right here. Um, but I do think that pod, the pod that you bring up is an interesting one. I do know that a lot of teams, and we're just talking that the Big 12 stays at the 12 teams that we currently have in place. Um, I I am of the belief that it will be difficult for a lot of those Texas schools to be together in one pod simply because everybody wants to be in Texas. Everybody wants to access to Texas, um, including the the, the the corn folk, which is Iowa State, Kansas State, and Kansas. Right? You want access to be able to get into Texas. I mean, the new Cincinnati will likely want access as well. Um, and so how do you spread that out? I, I do think the pod that you're speaking of works. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah it's really interesting to see how they decide to do this. Yeah, yeah, the part you're talking about works. I know I've talked to uh, some TCU friends of mine that also remember the battles between TCU and BYU, and I could easily see that being the case as well. And then, of course, you bring up the religious factor when it comes to BYU and Baylor and that and that, and that um, tangent there. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how it goes. I'm of you know me personally, I I think the top pod system works better. And I don't really care uh, which way it goes. I could see it either way. I've been trying to uh, have a rivalry with Oklahoma State here for a while now. Both programs really don't – like there's no hate between the two. Um, it's kind of boring. It's like the most world's most boring rivalry, to be honest, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. But I'm trying to make it happen. I'm trying to make it happen. So um, we do appreciate you coming on the podcast here, uh, Greg. We, we really do. Uh, but before we go, I'd be remiss – if I did not get you on the pod and get you these hot seat questions, everybody that comes on the pod has to go through the hot seat, the burning hot seat. Some people make it out alive. Some people get people on their mentions right after it. Uh, are, are you ready to go through this? <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So hot seat questions here uh, for Greg Rubel um, starting off. So are you, is there anybody in the Big 12 you're most excited to play? Uh, Kansas in basketball. All right. 
Other than Utah, who would you consider your biggest rival? Um, Utah State. Okay. All right. Now, now, are you talking Big Twelve teams? No, you're just not in general. Big Twelve teams. You're saying yeah, and just in general. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, you know, the, the, those are the two in-state programs that BYU's played the most, and so I, I probably want to keep it in state. Yeah. Hey, if we still had Matt Wells, there'd be another connection right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, favorite Utah athlete of all time. Favorite meaning or, favorite athlete B- from. Sorry, not Utah. BYU athlete of all time. Yeah, because I yeah that's a, that's a better question for me. Um, favorite BYU athlete of all time? Oh, you can't do this to me. Uh, I, I can only now do it. Did, does anybody ever hem and haw and say I got to pick more than one, or do you got to go for one you, here? You can go a couple. I'll let you go a couple. Well, I mean, gosh, man, Jimmer Fredette was something special in basketball, and, and I and I and that's my era, right? Yeah. I got to call his games. He is an all timer. I mean, how can you not love Jimmer Fredette? And 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 the the quarterback of most of my college years at BYU was Ty Detmer, and and so I, if I had to go one basketball and, and one football, and I'm leaving out a gazillion guys, I'm leaving out the Steve Young and Jim McMahon and so many Danny Ainge, and, but you know I I think if you had a, a Jimmer Fredette and a Ty Detmer top two with your basketball and football, you wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be too far off. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't stay Steve Young. Actually, that's that's who I would have. Yeah, I, I, and I, I could easily say him, and I want to include him. And on any other day, I might even just say Steve because I'm such a huge fan of his and what he's done to represent BYU since he's left. He's a national name, and it's just so everyone loves the guy. Uh, he is the best. He is unbelievable. Um, so he's right there too, no doubt. Favorite music artist? Rush. Right, all right. There, that's I like that answer. I really do. Go, come on. As as a as a as a as a, a born Torontonian, you have to uh, you have to respect <laughs> yeah, that. Absolutely. A uh, worst yeah. college town you've been to? Oh gosh, I don't know. I hate to I hate to hate to diss anybody uh, here. Um, diss them. They deserve it. No, I. It's okay. It's kind of funny because like like the cliche when you're from these parts is to say Laramie, Wyoming. Like everyone just kind of says Laramie, <laughs> Laramie. You know, because it's kind of desolate and windswept and not much going on. Um, but you know, but I, I think they've taken enough grief already. I, I don't know that I want to. You know what? I, I guess I just try and find enough good about every place I go to, to not no, have a real you least. You can't cop favorite. out of this answer, Rubel. Come on now. You did yeah, I'll, 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 You did go to Waco man, recently. I, you, know, you can choose that one. No, I I, I, I enjoyed my Waco experience. I uh, really did. I, 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 I thought I had good memories of Waco. Um, worst college – gosh, man alive <laughs> – Dude, I, I don't want to I don't want to be the cliche guy because it's, it's what everyone's it's what everyone says in these parts. I do but that. you know, Laramie's a popular choice just because of where it is. I'll just kind of I'll kind of throw my cards there and not really think about it too much. <laughs> All right, uh, Jordan or LeBron? Now this one's interesting because I mean I was in the building literally I was on the floor um, in the portal when Jordan hit the shot to beat the Jazz the second time. Okay, and I was in the building in Chicago the year before when when Steve Kerr's making the shots. So I was covering the Jazz pretty extensively back then and traveling to those NBA Finals games. So I've been around the Jordan experience, and that was the star of my younger days. And now I get the star of my later days with LeBron, and I go back and forth on this all the time. And 
there was a time recently where I just said, no one's doing what LeBron is doing at the level he's doing it. And if I had to give an edge to LeBron, it would be for what he, and, and I know that the Lakers had the year they had, right? That's just, that, that's just a fact. But for how he's doing it at the age he's doing it, I think LeBron's doing some things that haven't been done and may not be done. And you cannot argue with Mike. I mean, the titles are the titles with no losses in the finals. That will stand the test of time. But LeBron is just something super special. And I've seen them both over a lot of years. I, I want to go T1. I want to tie both for first. You know I do. Um, but I just think because of how he's just rolling into his late 30s right now and just just bawling out the way he is. I, I think LeBron is something special. Yeah, well, we're getting a chance to see both LeBron and Tom Brady kind of prove, kind of try to defy father time as much as they can. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, Steve Young or Pat Mahomes? Steve's my guy. <laughs> I, I Listen, I respect you going Homer. I actually do. I will say that we've done this with the, with the last few, uh, like I said, with UCF, with Houston, et cetera. And um, it has, it's been an obvious like difference that Pat's a little better. This is actually the first one where I think if you go on, picking Steve Young, I cannot be mad at. This is the first one. I'm like, no. okay, that's, that's yeah, this is fair. These Super Bowls, yeah. I mean, come on, we're, we're looking at this kind of, it's kind of, it's a pretty good comparison. Absolutely. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, no one wants to hear fantasy football talk, but when I, what, my Mahomes years were my best years. There's no mistake about that. <laughs> uh, favorite restaurant in Provo? Uh, there's a place called Gurus that I really like. Gurus, all right. If, if, yeah. if tech fans, when you Gurus, go- and, and 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 for and for a great burger, like a creative burger, place called Chom, C H O M, Chom. Well, when we go to Provo, Utah, we know to go to Gurus and Chom's. Absolutely. And last but not and they're least, they're pretty close. And one more, one more. Um, Station Twenty Two because they serve poutine. Uh-huh. And as someone who was born in Canada. Yep. You got to give that. Props. Oh, absolutely. So there you go. Station- oh, that's, I know where okay. I'm going when I go to Provo. I got to get some there protein. Go. Absolutely. Uh, and last but not least, okay. better tortilla, corn or flour? Uh, I'm a flour guy. There you go. And, but luckily for that answer, there is no wrong answers. We love all types of tortillas here <laughs> on Tortillas and Takes. Uh, when we are in Provo, you'll see our own specialty, which is throwing tortillas um, at that high altitude. We're going to see those tortillas fly. So um, thank you very much, Greg Rubel, voice of BYU Athletics. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you in all socials and all other media. All right. Uh, I do a little bit of Instagram, but not a ton. Just a few pics here and there from venues I go to. And so I think it's G Rubel on Instagram, but I do most of my work on Twitter. So Twitter's where I've got the following. Twitter's where I do all my stuff. And that's at Greg Rubel. It's, it's, it's a unique name, so no one else has it. Um, it's just at Greg, G-R-E-G. Now, the last name's a handful. Uh, it's W-R-U-B-E-L-L. So at Greg Rubel. G-R-E-G-W-R-U-B-E-L-L. That's me on Twitter. And that's where you can find all of my BYU sports stuff. So as BYU joins the Big 12 and and Texas Tech and BYU start lining up games, if you want to get the lowdown on uh, what the Cougs look like in those different sports, that's where you can go. Absolutely. We'll, we will be following you closely because you're going to tell us everything we need to know about BYU this year. I personally will be rooting for BYU this year. I'm rooting for all our new B- Big 12 um, 
uh, compadres as they come into the Big 12 because uh, I want the league to be boosted up as much as possible. Um, and like I said, who knows? We may be adding more teams, especially if we get the corner four. I think BYU will have some friends uh, and, a, and a certain friend that um, <laughs> a certain in-state friend that may be yep. coming our way as well. Friend, friend in quote, friend in quotation marks. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks again, Greg Rubel. As far as for me, uh, that is all I have. Uh, and like I said, we're doing this series, welcoming our big 12 counterparts. We thank everyone that's helped us with this series. As we get ready, we're almost there to football season and it is time to start previewing all of our football opponents. So that'll be coming up here soon. Um, so but that's all I got here. So for Greg Rubel, this is Albie Shore, and you have been listening to Tortillas and Takes Podcast, part of the 1012 Network and the official podcast of RaidRaidersports.com. As always, stay wrecked, people.